The Rural Health Voice, Episode 35, COVID and Behavioral Health. Welcome to The Rural Health Voice. I am Beth O'Connor, your host. We discuss rural health issues at the grassroots level and how state and federal policies play out in our local communities. What happens to group therapy sessions in a time of social distancing? Patricia Helton, substance abuse counselor for Mount Rogers Community Services, joined me to discuss how people are addressing behavioral health issues in this environment. So welcome, Pat. Hello. Thank you. Oh, it's great to have you on here. You know, first, give me a little background on what Virginia's community services boards do. I, I wasn't familiar with that term when I first moved to Virginia. What's the purpose of a CSB? Uh, CSBs, there's 40 CSBs in the Commonwealth, and we are um, designed, we have two mandates, and that is to provide emergency crisis services to individuals and to provide case management services. Um, we provide uh, treatment services and um, like individual counseling for mental health. We provide uh, services for um, the uh, developmentally disabled and the uh, substance abuse services that I do. So what is your role as a substance abuse counselor? I provide two uh, intensive outpatient programs uh, a week. Each one is nine hours long. Um, they're three days a week, three hours a day. So I do that twice a week for individuals for uh, intensive treatment. So it's one person for nine hours? And no, it's 10 people for nine hours. Ah, okay. It's a group setting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Interesting. So has COVID brought unique concerns for the people that you work with? Uh, well, yes. Um, there's concerns as far as uh, what the... Um, Community Services Board wanted to keep, you know, the social distancing for us. So we have um, kind of rotated who works at home and who comes in. And as far as me with my groups, um, I can't do social distancing with 10 people in a room. So we decided to get, well, we got permission um, from our funders to be able to do uh, our group therapy through Zoom. Uh, so the people are able to stay at home and I'm able to facilitate the, the group sessions um, with all the individuals being at home. And it's been phenomenal. Uh, I've had so much participation uh, simply because it eliminated the barriers for people to be able to participate in, in the treatment. So people are using the Zoom to, for this therapy? Absolutely. I have so much. Um, it's booming. <laughs> Where The main problem with getting people into treatment has been transportation. Oh. So being able to being able to allow them to, for me to come into their home and provide that service. They're taking advantage of that uh, tremendously. So oh, it's so worked really well. 
So for anybody who maybe doesn't have a car or there's only one car in the household and one person's got to use it to go to work, this has actually been sort of good for them. It has. It, it's They've been able to participate. And like I said, it's been the number one barrier for years, forever, that um, most of the uh, clientele that we work with, uh, a lot of them uh, being substance uh, use services, have had too many DUIs and they've had their license taken away. Uh, they don't have a vehicle. Um, just they're really isolated and, and uh, they they may have someone that they're anticipating is going to be bringing them to treatment and their uh, rod fell through. So people just, that transportation barrier has been um, the number one thing, keeping people out of treatment. So this has been just phenomenal that they're taking advantage of this. That's interesting. I had not thought of that as a potential solution. Um, is anybody saying they're not able to participate because they don't have good internet at home? Well, there are uh, some people that are really isolated that have um, issues with um, their connectivity. Uh, I've actually, so far, I've had one person that that's been an issue with, and they've been tr- they've been setting their phone in the window, and you know it comes in and out. So we've you know we've been trying to work with that, and uh, I've been told that. Um, as far as the insurance goes, that they are supposed to be working with the individuals to help them get uh, set up to where they can use the service. So we're checking in to seeing if we can use that to uh, get them connected better. That would be great. You know, when Virginia first started talking about social distancing, you know, at this point over a month ago, one of the first comments I heard was, oh, no, what are all the AA people going to do? And that very much concerned me with many churches and other gathering places having weekly Alcoholics Anonymous meetings. What what are they doing now? They're doing Zoom meetings. Wow. So, so <laughs> Zoom, <laughs> Zoom and Skype and all that is really coming into its own right now. And it is, it's phenomenal for AA because it's opened up this, this whole network where people can go to, uh, an AA meeting in Richmond or in Lynchburg or, I mean, there's just so many more. All you need is a schedule and you can, uh, um, sign in and be a part of an AA meeting anywhere. Um, that they're doing Zoom. It's it's just been um, wonderful. It's been wonderful. We hope that we're going to be able to keep it uh, once the COVID-19 uh, crisis is over, that we'll be able to continue using Zoom for, for this purpose. So a potential policy solution coming out of this in the future is we allow services such as yours to use Zoom and still be able to get reimbursed. Yes, that would be wonderful. So how do people find those AA schedules? Uh, well, um, I have a peer support specialist that participates in AA, and she has some schedules. Um, if you can get any AA number, somebody's going to get you the information. They're very um, connected. They have a network 
you'll be able to talk to one person and um, they'll be able to connect you. You'll get connected. Um, and if nothing, if nothing else, um, Dawn, who's my peer support person, she, uh, if you call here, she can get you connected to some other meetings. Plus, we have a meeting that we do um, by Zoom here. Terrific. And we will absolutely uh, link some resources in the show notes so that people can find those. Wonderful. We, the more we can um, support, the better. Right. You know, last May, I interviewed Jason Pritchard, who is a peer recovery specialist. And at the time, his big piece of advice for those working through substance use disorders is don't try to go it alone. So in addition to Zoom meetings, what can people do now to keep from feeling like they're struggling all by themselves? Um, that's interesting because um, one of the things that that really uh, struck me when we first started doing this is um, I tell people don't isolate <laughs> um, that I consider um, being able not being not doing this alone is one of the rules one of the three rules I set down to people at the very beginning uh, is you need support to be able to do this and we have a couple of ways that we do that one when someone finishes the intensive outpatient program we have a set step down program that uh, people can go to that's a week that's one day a week and it's by zoom uh, and they can it's sort of like a relapse prevention aftercare uh, setting to stay connected with the recovery environment so we would uh, recommend that or we would try to connect people to AA or NA to to stay connected so yes I agree that's very important you can't do recovery alone What are some things that you see people experiencing that are symptoms of anxiety and depression that could feed into this? Well, uh, isolation. Um, that's, I mean, that's one of the things that we end up talking about the most uh, when people are in active addiction and especially when they are in early, early recovery, one of the things that we talk about is uh, changing people, places, and things. And you um, want to stay away from people that you have been using with. And mm, so many people will say, well, that was all of my friends. I know they're not my friends, but uh, those were all the people that I, you know, was was around so now I have no one um, so that's one of the the main things that causes um, some anxiety causes some depression uh, being isolated and not having uh, a connection that's the reason we encourage um, like the peer support specialist um, which sounds like you interviewed one last last year uh, I have a peer support specialist here that uh, joins me during the group meetings and she's available to people if they have issues in between groups that she can she can talk with them uh, she usually connects with them before we start group uh, and introduces herself um, so she's she's a connection for people if they have uh, a lot of anxiety or a lot of depression and I'm available as well to talk with people so we try to keep people connected um, we're together nine hours a week but 
you know, then there's the weekend that can be um, difficult. And um, we encourage people to, of course, connect with um, AA, NA, some type of support group in the community, whether um, it's, you know, getting church people's phone numbers. Uh, it's really difficult with the current setting, um, having to do it by phone and not being able to have someone to go out and get a cup of coffee with. But uh, we're trying to think outside the box and manage to get people connected so they're not feeling so isolated. Um, one of the other things is we're trying to find things for people to do um, so they're not bored. Boredom can be a trigger um, for people to want to use. So we want to have people have a schedule, get structured, and try to do as many things that can be self-soothing and um, bring them some um, relaxation and some joy in their life that they can do while they're at home. Are there things that people should watch for themselves that would indicate, hey, you know, I'm doing this because I'm anxious or I'm doing this because I'm getting depressed and I need to reach out to somebody? Are there telltale signs that people need to keep an eye out for? Usually if um, one of the things that is a telltale sign is if people are sleeping a lot. Um, uh, sleeping a lot is a sign of depression, uh, can be a sign of depression, uh, just not talking to anybody, um, you know, and just just really isolating and not picking up that phone and uh, reaching out to someone. Those are those are really signs that um, that's when they really need to pick up the phone and talk to someone and uh, not be uh, staying in bed. And uh, it's really when you stop having interest in things and uh, nothing seems fun, uh, those are signs of depression that you need to reach out and, and uh, look to get someone some help, which can be through Mount Rogers because we are still providing um, mental health services as well as substance use services. So we can, we can help from, from that perspective as well. With COVID, has there been an increase in suicide or overdoses? Not to my knowledge. Um, I have, uh, well, I think it has been um, a concern that that was going to happen. Uh, I can see why there's a concern that that would happen. But to my knowledge, um, there hasn't. There hasn't been. I haven't heard of any uh, increase, um, not not from from my resources. I haven't heard that. We've had a lot of people to connect and um, a lot of people to reach out. Um, that has definitely increased. But as far as having overdoses, hearing about overdoses or suicides, no, I haven't. I haven't heard anything as far as that. Now, mental health problems such as depression, anxiety are common in emergency situations. What can people do to keep from ramping up their fears? Well, I think one of the main things that we talk about in recovery um, is to find things that you enjoy doing. Um, and that is one of the other, uh, one of 
one of the other things that I talk about that people need uh, in recovery is to find something to soothe themselves, to replace a substance. Um, most people have a hard time thinking of something they enjoy doing. Uh, I'll ask people, uh, what do you enjoy doing? And I'll hear, I love playing with my kids. Um, that I hear that a lot. Um, and if I say, well, what do you enjoy doing without your kids? I don't get an answer. <laughs> um, it's usually, well, everything's wrapped around my kids. Um, so I encourage people to try to find things that they uh, can do themselves to bring joy to themselves. Uh, that may take some research. It may take some um, some time on the on the computer or looking in the newspaper or something like that to to find some uh, things that they might enjoy. But being able to add those kinds of things into your life, not only uh, right now, but, um, you know, in, in the future, uh, that's something to improve quality of life. And it's something to get you through right now. Um, I know people are looking for different things to do to, to be distracted, but, um, you know, trying to make it something that you enjoy instead of just something to pass the time. Um, and it's a time that you can use as an opportunity to explore um, what kind of things you might enjoy doing. Now, I heard a mental health expert comment that we need to stop referring to all this as social distancing and start thinking in terms of physical distancing. How can people stay connected to each other right now? I totally agree with that, that um, it should be physical distancing uh, because social distancing is, uh, we don't have to give that up. We can do it through Zoom. We can do it through FaceTime. Um, we can do it um, uh, by telephone. Uh, we have so much technology available to us now. Uh, we have drive-in churches, um, you know, drive-in theaters, uh, those kinds of things that we can connect with people. And I think it's extremely important that we be able to do that, uh, especially when we're talking about uh, early recovery and not be able to do it alone. Uh, it's healthy. We're social beings. We need to have that connection with people. And I think we just need to take take advantage of the technology we have available to us. Mm-hmm. And certainly, you know, if I would encourage folks if they know of, of people in their community who are elders living alone, figure out a way to check in on them and, and see what they need in terms of, of groceries, in terms of oh, absolutely. You know, supplies, mm-hmm. whatever else. And, you know, somebody reminded me this morning, there's this amazing thing called a letter that has a <laughs> stamp <laughs> I, I think I'd forgotten that they existed. That is so true. That is so true. The snail mail. <laughs> yes. Yeah, especially for our seniors, you know, they grow up that you know, a letter is something special. Mm-hmm. And, and for somebody to actually handwrite a note, don't don't skip that power. Find somebody's address and sit down. Find yourself an actual piece of paper and a pen. Absolutely. <laughs> you might have to go buy envelopes because you don't use them anymore. But r- write a letter, write a note, do so, make, find a cute card, something. That is such an 
awesome idea. I'll have to uh, add that to the list, and I, I think that would be great for everyone to to do. Uh, I think that's something special. People feel special when they when they get that in the mail. Uh, that's an awesome idea. Now, if one of our listeners was concerned about a friend or a family member who might be struggling from mental health or substance abuse issues, what what could they do? What steps could they take? Well, um, it, I, I would say it would depend on the level uh, that they're uh, concerned. If they're concerned about their um, uh, safety, um, their well-being, there's always the um, the opportunity to contact law enforcement and have them do a well check um, to make sure that they're okay. If like, if they're not answering the phone or um, that, you know, they can't get in contact with them and they're concerned about them. Um, that would be the number one thing I would think about if I couldn't get a hold of, of, you know, one of my uh, family members that I would have them to, to do that and they can go by and check on them. I've had that. I've had to do that with some of my clients um, that their phone died and, or they ran out of minutes or something like that. And I would have law enforcement to do a well check to make sure that they were okay. What about an individual that was concerned about themselves relapsing or, or falling into depression? What could they do? Well, I would I would suggest reaching out, absolutely reaching out if they uh, have any support system at all um, to reach out and say something if they feel like they don't have anyone that they can reach out to. They can always reach out to someone um, at Mount Rogers. We have a 24-hour crisis uh, that will be able to talk with them, be able to tell them what they need to do if they feel like they need um, some uh, assistance right away, um, if they feel like that they might need to go inpatient, um, or if they could wait and do some outpatient services. But I would definitely suggest that they reach out and not wait um, to uh, ask for help. That can be the hardest thing to do, but it's... Um, it, they'll be happier, uh, you know, if, if they can make that step, make that first, first step. And one last question. If you could do anything, what would you do to improve health and health care in rural America? Anything. I would have. Anything. Oh. I would have, in a heartbeat, said fixed transportation. Um, and so I would say anything now would be to allow us to take this opportunity with this new technology to help people that are isolated and can't get to... Um, to their doctor, to their therapist, uh, to substance use treatment, that that they would be allowed to do that from their home, from their residence, and allow us to go into their home and provide that service. It can it can make a difference. It can make a difference in someone overdosing and someone, um, you know, just not getting treatment at all and 
or being depressed, and it could be the difference in whether or not they commit suicide um, if they have access to a therapist. So I would definitely say to keep that transportation barrier um, eliminated. That would be the, the number one thing that I would do. Great. Fewer barriers for everyone to improve access. I love it. Yes. All right. Well, thank you, Pat. I appreciate you joining me today. Well, you're very welcome. I appreciate you having me. That's Pat Helton encouraging everyone to reach out and close the physical gap with social support, even if it means putting an actual stamp on a real envelope. Check out the show notes for resources. And now for a message from our trusted friends at the CDC. COVID-19, better known as coronavirus, has spread throughout the world. Symptoms of this respiratory disease may include fever, cough, and shortness of breath. These symptoms may show up 2 to 14 days after exposure. If you are experiencing these symptoms and have come into contact or are in an area with an ongoing outbreak, please call a hotline and or consult with a physician. Clean and disinfect high-touch surfaces. For more information, please visit cdc.gov forward slash COVID-19. Thank you.